You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 14. At a certain point, though, I was like a little annoyed because several people ask you multiple times the same question. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of at times annoying. But at that point, like if they had asked me those questions seven hours later, I wouldn't have been able to really tolerate that. But I have also noticed because I work in the hospitality industry, my tolerance for bullshit is pretty high. I can have the chaos around me and keep my center. It's totally fine. Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. If you have a positive birth story you'd like to share, please email a brief summary to us at podcast at birthmattersnyc.com. Amy's birth story begins with a spontaneous rupture of the membranes, laboring at home for a number of hours, eventually transferring to the hospital where the labor continues with induction and epidural. As Amy and her husband are both actors, she describes the ways in which their acting training, specifically breath work and body work, helped her find her groove in her three-hour pushing stage with a fairly large baby. She also details some compelling things to consider in partner communication and establishing healthy boundaries entering parenthood, particularly in light of the hormonal roller coaster we experience after birth. Before we get started, if you'd like to receive your free pack for your best birth checklist and my free mini course with some expert tips for your best birth, please visit birthmattersonline.com slash pack, which you can also find linked in the show notes. Okay, let's jump in. Hey, Amy. Hi. So to have you. I'm so thankful that you were willing to share a bit of your journey with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Amy Matthews and my son's name is Torin and he's 15 months old. So he was born January 19th, 2018. We had a birthday celebration not long ago then. Yeah, we did. It was pretty fun. He had sugar for the very first time and he <laughs> to it like a duck to water. So I guess I'll start with my birth story. Great. So Torin was due on the 16th. So the day before he was born, I did a lot of walking and I also hit up Taco Bell and I probably had about seven of their hot sauce packets, one burrito, because I was really ready. Um, I have no idea if that's what did it or if um, he was very, very low and he had dropped and I was completely effaced for several weeks before giving birth. And how many weeks were you at this point in time? I was 40 weeks and four days. Okay. So um, I kept thinking it was going to come early because he had dropped and I, I, I was like, he's right there. So, so yeah, on a Thursday, Wednesday, I had all those hot, hot, hot sauce pockets. And then I felt just kind of, kind of a, like I had heartburn a lot towards the end. And I had to go to the bathroom a lot towards the end because he was literally sitting on my, my bladder at that point. So around, I decided to go to sleep on the couch because I was tossing and turning and uncomfortable a little bit. And at about four o'clock in the morning, I went to the bathroom. And when I stood up, I felt like I kept peeing. 
so then I sat back down on the toilet, but then I remembered talking to you about like the sensation of what it feels like for your water to break. So I thought, oh, this might be my water breaking or it could be pee. So then I stood back up so that I could catch some of the pee um, in my underwear so I could both smell it to see if it was urine. And I just lost complete control because it was a big gush. Or if... Um, it was my water breaking. So I smelled it and looked at it to make sure that it was clear. And my water definitely broke. And so I went into the bedroom. It was like, my water just broke to my husband. And he had just fallen asleep, I think about an hour and a half before. And I could tell he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, so I'm like, well, it doesn't really mean anything yet because I hadn't had any contractions really. So I called my doctor and asked, you know, they called me back and I, they said, you know, if you can feel the baby moving, you can stay home for a little bit. So at that point also, he was a pretty big baby. I was very big and full. And so his movements, which had been really easy to detect, were starting to get a little cloudy to me anyway. So I had some juice and some eggs and I laid on my side and I could feel him moving. So I, I, so I stayed at home. The contractions started coming. They were painful, but not horrible. And I started timing them on an app and they were kind of all over the place though. I could I couldn't talk through them, but I, I could definitely breathe through them. And I know that I, I, as a person, respond to pain kinesthetically, so like I could also kind of move through them. Funny story is I also knew that morning the water in our building was being shut off, and I'm a little vain. So I was like, I want to take a shower and I want to shave my legs because <laughs> like we're about to like have my legs all over the place. So I got up around eight o'clock in the morning to make sure that I could do that. So from four to eight, I kind of like stayed in bed and tried to, to nap a little bit. So around eight, I took a shower, we had some breakfast. And then I, as I was timing the contractions, it would be like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, six minutes, six minutes, six minutes, then 30 minutes. So as soon as I thought we were about to go to the hospital, I'm like, yeah, now it's slowed down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Meanwhile, I'm texting my family and they think I'm crazy because they think I'm going to get stuck in traffic and have the baby on a bridge. Do so they live like, here? They, no, they were from Ohio. Ah, yeah, so, no wonder. Yeah, <laughs> crazy like, New York. No, I'm like, it'll be okay. I'm not having this baby in the back of the taxi. Around noon, I, I knew I wanted to eat at home. And I wanted to eat, like I thought about what I wanted to have right before going to the hospital because I had, I had been throwing up my entire pregnancy. So I was pretty used to that. So I'm like, even if I throw up, what are the foods that are pretty easily easy for me to throw up, but would give me a lot of both protein and carbohydrates. So I had decided beforehand that I, I really, really wanted to eat pad thai right before going into the hospital. <laughs> and so I'm eating my pad thai. My mom calls me and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, just having a little lunch. She's like, you are crazy. She's like, go to the hospital. You're not supposed to eat anything. And I'm like, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'll tell you what, I will call the doctor though, just to check it. So mm -hmm. I called the doctor, but their office was closed from one to two. And so I'm like, well, or from 12 to one rather for lunch. So I'm like, I'll just call back at one. It's not really an emergency. So I'm very low key about this whole thing. It's pretty painful, but you know, I'm like, okay. Like I was like 
okay. And I, I put on Parks and Rec. I'm, this is a rambling story, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's great. I, I, I love these really details. Attention to it, but it's funny. And so I'm just like, I'm trying to like get the endorphins up. So I'm like, let's watch the things that really make me laugh out loud. Right, love it. You know, so I can do it. And also I wasn't really packed. I had things like on the table, but I didn't really know what I was going to bring. And the sad thing in New York is you can't just pack the car and leave things in the car that you might need later. Like you really have to pack everything to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to like lug it to the hospital while having contractions and being big and like being like, what's happening? So I finally did talk to my doctor, not just the doctor in her practice that was on call. So then we got our stuff. We called an Uber or a Lyft. I don't know which one. And my husband convinced me that they would have balls at the hospital and we were bringing too much stuff. Because I brought, since I was really at that time, very sensitive to smells. I had also brought like a diffuser with both lemon and lavender. You know, I, I, I was like, we brought a puzzle to put together. And Adam's like, you know, we really don't need the exercise ball. I'm sure they have them there. Well, they didn't. And that is my biggest uh, regret. Because oh, it was no. very uncomfortable. And I, yeah. I just couldn't find a place to be. So then, so we get to the hospital. It's around two or three, three maybe. And apparently everyone in Manhattan were having babies that day because there was no bed. There were a lot of very pregnant ladies in the waiting room. Like I couldn't even get to triage. I was in the waiting room. However, I was the only person in like active labor. So we were there for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then there was a phone call at the front desk and I heard the resident talking to someone. And I just immediately was like, they're totally talking about me. I have no idea why I felt that way, but I'm like, they're talking about me. And sure enough, she comes right up to me and was just like, so how are you feeling? I, you were supposed to be a direct admit because you've already been laboring for almost 12 hours and we have to get this baby going. And I'm like, okay. She's like, but are you okay? And I'm like, I'm okay. You know, it's painful, but like I would walk in between contractions. I was trying to breathe. There was also like a lot of time in between contractions. So I felt like I could recover and then endure. So once they did have a bed for me, I start picking up all my stuff with my husband. And it was interesting because they said, you stay here to my husband. We're going to take her in first. And then you can gather all the stuff. We're going to take her in right away. And they asked me those questions that I wasn't really prepared for about like, is there any reason I should not feel like I am safe at home and things like that, which I realized is Uh, an amazing mm -hmm. thing that the hospital does in order to protect the women. But I was like, uh, no, you know, I, I, I just didn't know that that would be something that they would ask. I was both surprised and mm-hmm. like impressed, but also like, what are you asking? Like, cause it's about three or four questions before they get to that question. Yeah. You know? And so I thought that was really interesting. And I gave birth at, um, the old Roosevelt, so Mount Sinai West. Mm-hmm. They do that there. The person who checked me in was another resident, and it's a teaching hospital. And so there are people there that they're talking them through. So there's the nurse there that's obviously the old pro, and then the the med student who is like trying to ask the questions and like get my history and stuff. And then finally we go for the exam, and she's like, "You are." really effaced, but you're at one centimeter. I'm like, that's interesting. Cause I have been, my water broke 12 hours, more than 12 hours ago. And I've been laboring and I'm like, I'm at one centimeter. So yeah. then I'm like, okay. 
So she said, we're going to start you with my doctor. Um, I uh, saw Dr. Lana Solitsky, whom I really like, who was very much into whatever you want to do, we're going to do it. This is your call. You're in charge, but I'm Hi. here to help you and to advise you. So oh, I'm like, okay, great. It was really great. Although she said she did not want to do the birthing center. She's like, I don't like the birthing center. I know that they clean those tubs. I just don't like it. It's gross to me. And I was just like, <sighs> just like, I just don't like it. She's like, I don't do it. Sorry. And I guess I, I mean, if it was really important to me, I could have switched, but it wasn't. I really liked her as my doctor. Yeah, oh, and can also, I interrupt just to ask yeah. how you felt about the residents being there? And were they there a lot through your labor? Um, so, so I'm the type of person who's very much like, well, they have to learn at some point, you know, and Fair so, yep. uh, you know, I, I, a long time ago got a Brazilian wax and it was like my third time. <laughs> and she's like, I have two people who are training. Would you mind if they come? And they're literally like speaking Portuguese. She does the thing. They put their glasses on, they look down there and then they look at my hair. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Oh my God. And I kind of <laughs> said, sure, that's okay. And, you know, I'm just like, this is crazy. This is so crazy. <laughs> so for me, like, nothing is as awkward as that. You know, <laughs> that makes I don't know what they're saying, you know. So, and I'm also a fairly open person. Mm-hmm. I have a photography company and my partner has always wanted to photograph a birth. And so she was my second person. So it was my husband oh, and wow. my friend, Lon. And was she there at home with you or did she meet you at the hospital? No, she met us at the hospital because okay. I was just like, don't come home. I'm like, it's just going to be me. Like, Ugh. so I'm like, meet us at the hospital. And I'm like, I'm not sure if I actually want to see these photos, you know, things like that. I'm like, but you can be there and have that experience. So I'm a fairly open person that sometimes too open, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was not a problem. You know, at, at a certain point though, I was like a little annoyed because they ask you, Several people ask you multiple times the same question. Yes. I've seen that a lot in my doula work. Yeah. So it's kind of at times annoying, but at that point, my labor, like if they had asked me those questions seven hours later, I wouldn't have been able to really tolerate that. But I have also noticed because I work in the hospitality industry, my tolerance for bullshit is pretty high. Just like whatever. <laughs> I can have the chaos around me and keep my center. It's totally fine. What about that benefit of that yeah. industry towards yeah. That's great. Yeah. Just like, it's fine. Whatever is going on here. Okay. So the resident there, so there was the resident and the med student, I guess. And I tried to get everyone's names because I had delusions of sending thank you notes, but that just didn't happen. And so she said that we were going to start with uh, the balloon. I don't know what it's called. Foley balloon. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The Foley, Foley balloon. She's just like, so you're a face. You've been, you've been laboring. Your water broke 12 hours ago. We don't, they don't like to go beyond 24, even though I was okay with beyond 24. So they're like, we would like your labor to progress a little bit faster. So let's put the Foley balloon in. Because on my birth plan, I really did not want to do Pitocin. So she tried to insert the balloon, but since I was uh, so effaced, there was nothing to insert it into. So his head is right there. There's like literally like in the balloon is round, you know, like the end of the balloon. So there was nothing to insert into. She tried about, I don't know, four or five times. She's like, we really can't do this. I She's like, Dr. Solitsky would like to start you on Pitocin. It's your choice. 
And I was like, I really don't want to do that. And she's just like, well, it gets a bad rap. It's what your body is already producing to get you started. And she's just like, you haven't progressed much at all. Cause I knew I was effaced already for a long time. So she's like, we're going to start you on a very, very mild dose. And so I was like, okay. And she's like, do you want the epidural? I was like, I said, no, in my mind, I wanted to squat to give birth. Like I'd been practicing on the toilet. Every time I went to the bathroom, I would like be like, this is the position I will be in. This is the sensation it will be in. Wow, um, you were really planning ahead. Well, I was just thinking about it, you know, <laughs> that and I also so had been, like, listening to hypnobirthing. So the plans all went out the window that I'd been listening to hypnobirthing. Like I read half of the hypnobirthing book. And I will say this, I should have stopped uh, reading the birthing books and started reading the parenting books, you know, because then a lot of like, people say that. Yeah. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'd read a hypnobirthing book. I was like, okay. I have a pretty high tolerance for pain and I've also an actor. So like, I really understand my body. I really understand how it works and how it moves. And I have a very high kinesthetic awareness. So I was like, I felt, and I took your class and we took it privately. So I felt really prepared. And then <laughs> we did the Pitocin and honestly, the, the contractions came very fast and furious. Mm-hmm. And so I remember moving around the room a lot that they had to come and constantly check because the monitors were would slip. Uh-huh. would slip I the because we didn't bring the birthing ball I, I was very uncomfortable because I wanted to sit but like then lean over something mm-hmm. and the chair was too hard but the bed was too high you know little things like that and I didn't even think about moving the bed you, you know because they're movable I just mm-hmm. didn't think about that you know sure you're, you're not in that headspace when you're in not, like, <laughs> the heat uh, of very animalistic. my husband though I have to say was a great coach I did buy a Raposa is that how you pronounce it Raposa yeah I did buy one and it was very helpful to get the weight like the belly weight off and like pushing my butt together like hamburger butt um that was very helpful uh, but I, <laughs> hamburger butt that's what I call it like hamburger butt. I love that And then I also know, I remember one time just standing on my maternity bed, just like high, looking around for like what looks comfortable to me. And then like the contraction would come and I would just kind of um, go on my hands and knees, which was most comfortable over the back Mm. of the bed. And I was holding or transferring a lot of the, because I was trying to let my vagina open. So I was transferring a lot of that tension onto my shoulders. I was like really holding the pain in my shoulders. So after about seven hours of laboring with the Pitocin, I noticed I was putting a lot of it on my voice. Like, ah, you know, I was very loud. Mm -hmm. And also Adam really was a great coach coaching me to really find one focal spot and to put the sound on that focal spot. And that seemed to be helpful. Yeah. So then we, I, I, my doctor was the doctor on call that night, which was great. So she checked in on me several times and then she checked in on me about seven hours after having the Pitocin. And I was really like, this baby has to come because I was kind of at the end of my pain threshold and also was getting tired. And she's just like nothing. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you're still at one centimeter. And I would just like lost oh. heart. Oh, it was really challenging. 
So then I was like, okay. So then she's like, I'm going to try to open you with my fingers. And I'm like, okay. And Ow. that was the most uncomfortable oh, thing. I've yeah. So then um, she's just like, no, I can't. You're just too tight. Your body won't open. And I'm like, okay. She's like, I think you would be happier if you got the epidural. And I'm like, uh, I really didn't want to do that because I want to squat and have control over my legs while giving birth. And she's like, well, I could try with a instrument if you'd like. And I'm like, okay. She's like, but I think that now is not the time to do that. And you need to rest for a little bit and you can't really rest if you're contracting under Pitocin. So right. of course I just sure. said, okay, okay. I said, okay, to basically everything at this point. So then can I ask you a quick question there? Yeah. Um, did they at any point pay attention to the exact position of your baby? If they did, I don't know. I didn't notice that. Um, I was just curious because dilation yeah. can be significantly affected by mm -hmm. the variation of head down that the baby is. Right. So like if the baby's posterior back to your back, that's a harder way to fit through the pelvis and the angle of the baby's head isn't helping the cervix to, to dilate as efficiently and effectively. So I was just kind of wondering if it's something that a lot of care providers don't pay much attention to. Uh -huh. And I really wish that they would, because I feel like if we could do some proactive things, if we determine, oh yeah, baby's posterior, right. let's help the baby to rotate, then that could um, help avoid a lot of otherwise unnecessary interventions. Right. Well, as far as I know, so posterior is a back birth, right? Where his spine is against right. the spine. The sunny side I, up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that that happens. There's other variations too, okay. where the baby's head is kind of asynclitic. There's a, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I felt her moving his head when she like went to open my cervix. She was, she, she it wasn't like she was shy. So uh, <laughs> we didn't have a discussion about what was happening. You know, mm -hmm. she just said he, you know, she, he's right there. She's just like, you're just not opening up. And also, you know, when people say you just need to relax, but she like, also it's impossible to relax after that much time, you know, and it was getting pretty intense. And Pitocin makes it so much harder to cope with for a lot of people. Uh, Most yes. people. <laughs> and I will say if I had it to do over again, as soon as they were like, you've been laboring for 12 hours, Pitocin is the next step because we can't do this balloon. I would have gotten the epidural then. Mm -hmm. because like for me, you know, I don't need the award for like having the easiest. I just need a baby. So yeah. So after that, I did try, I was like, so I didn't know that uh, Roosevelt or Mount Sinai West does nitrous oxide. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I would like to try that next because the contractions at that point were coming every minute and they were completely unbearable. Now, if mm -hmm. she had told me that I was at eight centimeters, I think I would have rallied, but mm -hmm. I would, I like, cause I was at one centimeter. I'm like, I cannot imagine another seven hours of this. Mm -hmm. Like I can imagine an hour and a half of this. Sure. Yeah. So I, we did the nitrous oxide. Here's me thinking I could still walk around and move. And they're like, no, 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 you have to stay in bed. So then finally the nitrous oxide took the, and my doctor was like, you can do it. But I, she's like, I, in my in my experience, it doesn't really work. And I asked also the nurse, she's, I'm like, does this work? And she's just like, you tell me in a second, we're going to try it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to try. But, yeah, exactly. But also I'm like, oh, as soon as I took it, they're like, you have to stay in the bed because your legs, they're like, we don't, they didn't want me falling is, is the thing. That's odd. Cause I, I'd 
heard at least in the birthing center that they had let women labor next to the bed, outside of the bed with nitrous right. only, not with the other yeah. Pain medications. But yeah. Oh. So for me, they're like, we want you to stay in the bed. I don't mm -hmm. know. Why. I don't know. Maybe that was just my nurse. Well, yeah, um, could it be the nurse? Could be the yeah. So it was the nurse yeah. who was saying this, not not your care provider, or both. Yes, so the nurse was saying that, not my care provider. So then it it was the nitrous oxide made the contractions to, from completely unbearable, like skin crawling pain, to like bearable, but like just barely. And mm -hmm. so finally, I'm just like, okay, we're doing the epidural because like I can't like now I'm just uncomfortable and attached to this thing and mm -hmm. I can't just have it and move. Like I'm mm -hmm. still like, I'm, a, I'm in the bed anyway, at this point, let's just that, do it. That makes a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the epidural. And they were and like, I had heard stories also of, well, you don't know where the anesthesiologist will be. So you have to like, make sure you plan accordingly. Like, as soon as I'm like, I'm ready for the epidural, they were in the room. Yay. I think that they were like, just hang out here. Cause she's about to go. <laughs> uh, Cause my doctor is, I really like her, but she's really pragmatic, you know? And she was just like, mm, okay. And she also knew what I had been going through that whole time. Sure. Yeah. So the, they came right in and we had heard stories that when, this is such a rambling story, when the... I don't think you're rambling at all, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I think it's just great. <laughs> when the anesthesiologist comes in, the husbands have to go out of the room. We had heard those stories. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'll be right outside. I'll be right back. And the nurse was like, where are you going? You sit here and you talk to her. So, cause like I, I was having a hard time sitting still. Sure. And so they're like, you push your lower back out, you know, and look at him. And I'm like, tell me a story. And of course my husband's like, uh, uh I don't know. And I'm like, ah, anything, anything. Just, <laughs> just get my mind, mind off of what's it. happening right uh -huh. now. And um, I think there was a slight problem finding my spine because I had gained some weight, but you know, I was pregnant, but also I had a hard time pushing my back out. And then, you know, in my normal, after I'm in um, a stressor place mind, I'm like, oh, they wanted my back to be rounded. They needed a rounded spine. They often say into like a C shape. Yeah. I wish they would have said, okay, sit here, put your arms around your husband's neck and lean forward. Mm. I would have been able to do that, to create that shape. But like I was sitting straight up and they wanted me to push my back out, you know. Uh, so maybe it was a semantic kind of the way they worded it that wasn't yeah. clear. So, so it's one thing if your hips are steady and you lean forward to create that C, that's mm -hmm. uh, spine. It's another thing if you're standing straight up and just trying to push back. Right. That makes a lot of spine. sense. And yeah. I was like, I really had a hard time doing that, you know, and first of all, focusing and not moving while these contractions are happening because they were coming and they're like, we'll get it in between a contraction, but you have to push your back out. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. And like, had I thought of it, I'm like, oh, they just need that the spine to be round, mm -hmm. like my, my lumbar, my lower spine. Mm -hmm. And same thing, like once pushing, like the way the nurses and doctors were talking about organizing my body was not intuitive to me, but I'll get to that. So I got the epidural and I was immediately was like, Oh, Oh, like felt much better. And then I started throwing up. So they brought in the anesthesiologist and they changed something. And they're like, it's really common. I'm like, oh, I also like 
throughout my whole pregnancy was throwing up the entire time. So I was like, I'm kind of used Not to a it. surprise. <laughs> yeah. So then I laid down and I had an epidural where I could top myself up. My mm-hmm. doctor came in though, before that happened, she did an exam and then she said, now you're at four centimeters. I just opened you with my fingers. So I said, okay, great. She's like, take a nap. You are going to have this baby in four hours or so. I'm like, okay. So That's very specific. Yeah. She's like four hours or so. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. She's pragmatic. She's like, she's yeah. just the person she is. She's like, you will have this baby. We're doing it. <laughs> and so I took a nap. I remember my shoulders though, really hurting from that stress of holding the tension in my body. They were so sore. So, but my husband gave me a little massage. I was on my side and I really could not feel my legs at all. Ah. Like at all. They were like a little tingly. We put socks on because they were cold, but Mm -hmm. I could like move them, like kind of scissor them. Just like I could put my feet on top of each other or I could move the top foot just off onto the bed. And that's all I could do with my legs. Wow. That's more unusual these days, Yeah, but everyone takes it slightly differently. Yeah. Did they give you the tip to not stay on one side for more than 30 minutes? No, they did not do that. So I was on one side for too long. And then I was like, this is horrible. I need to switch over because like I was getting dead on one side, but also and so, but the epidural was on one side and the call button was on the other side. So like I couldn't reach it and my husband was sleeping and Yolan, the photographer was like, like literally on, like I curled up on a chair because we'd already been there for eight hours and it was like four o'clock in the morning at this point. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, help <laughs> ah, you know and so finally he he and the nurse helped me get to the other side so like I kept trying to switch over but I couldn't move myself they're like do this with your legs I'm like I actually can't you know and I I, I know I had a catheter yeah and did this they administer that after the they administered the epidural I think around the same time yeah I, I kind of wish I hadn't had a catheter because I have problems now and I wonder if that's why. So there, there are lots of things that I'm like, hmm, I wonder, I would have done a few things differently. So anyway, so I took a nap. I did switch sides at least one time because that side was like totally dead. I'm like, I have to move. I can't, you know, do this. Mm-hmm. And around eight o'clock in the morning or so, my doctor comes in, she was about to leave with her colleague who was part of the practice as well. And she's like, you are looking great. You're almost completely dilated. In about a half hour, you're going to start pushing. I said, great. They left the room and I foolishly hit the epidural because I'm like, in my crazy mind, I'm like, I'm about to start pushing. Plunk. You know, I'm (laughs) like, I might as well do this. Mm -hmm. And it really obscured the contractions for me. Mm. When I went into transition, I did throw up. You know, so I knew it was like, this is it. I felt really bad because I threw up in the bedpan and it like ricocheted out and hit the doctor. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And she's just like, (laughs) I'm sure they're used to it. Yeah. She's like, you didn't hit me. I'm like, yes, I totally did. I'm like, she's lying to me. (laughs) So anyway, I started pushing and the push, the contractions at first during the first parts of the pushing were very obscure. And then in about 30 minutes, but like I could still kind of like move, but um, I couldn't, my feet were, my legs were still really dead and so, and heavy. So they're like, pull your legs up. And I really couldn't. And like, I was like, I can't actually pull my legs 
up. And during this time also, Torin was a, a fairly big baby. He was between eight and nine pounds. I was expecting him to be over nine pounds. I was like, really, like I was a big baby. My husband was a big baby. He's mm. a big baby. He was like eight pounds, nine ounces. So a big baby, not crazy big. I remember during the contractions, I could feel that they were coming. I could feel pressure against my pelvic floor. But I also could feel like crazy amounts of pain, kind of where you get running stitches, like mm. like, uh, like right uh, at the my diaphragm mm-hmm. um, on the left side. And I, I couldn't push through that. And I thought I was really also a little cocky because I've done so much breathing work as an actor mm-hmm. I thought oh, I'm gonna do really well like I know my body so well and like as I'm pushing I like all of that knowledge went out the window I'm pushing and the stress and the, the is in my face and I was like oh yeah like what I'm like my face hurts I can't push anymore and then they're like relax your face it's not from your face it's from from here and I'm like duh you know, and both my husband and I it, are actors. It happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, both my husband and I like do a lot of like breath work and it's Morris voice and know how to mm-hmm. like release tension. Mm-hmm. We know how to let like our rib cage swing open. So like then my husband kind of went into high gear as like a coach and he was just like, breathe into my hands, you know? And so like he put his hands on his rib, my rib cage and he's like, now you're going to push. And I had like about three pushes per contraction, but it was still really painful. I like felt like I couldn't push beyond my diaphragm because there was pain way up there. And the doctor was like, the baby is trying to help you get him out. And he was a little bit stuck in the birth control. I would push, 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 but I was not able to push him past where he already was. Cause then when I relaxed, he like got slid back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then she's like, you have to push him through. So finally I was like, okay. And this is before, like, like I'm like, he's coming down the birth canal at this point. So like, I was like literally taking my hands and pushing it through mm-hmm. my legs. So like to give myself a bit of a, I don't know, putting it into a different part of my body to be like, this is where he is. I need to, to go much beyond that. As an actor, did you ever do singing training? Yes. Yeah. Like, so I remember like, doing uh, a lot of hand yeah. work with my tones and singing lessons. So right. um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. And I have done that with tones as a kid, but more so like getting the, the, the active voice out and onto something else. I'd often be like, uh, like, da, 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 da. You know, as you say, especially working Shakespeare text, mm-hmm. you think of it go traveling to a place and you, you know, it's much easier to start by using your hand as you say the text mm-hmm. It is traveling to the person, you know, with whatever color you want to paint them or whatever, how, whatever imagistic work you're doing. Or I've done stuff before, especially with lists where you pretend like you have like letters and you're putting them into different mailboxes, slots, you know, so it's this and this and this and this. So it is, I find it to be very helpful to do those kinds of exercises. And I also felt it was helpful in childbirth to kind of be like, okay, he has to move beyond where he just was. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use my hands as a visual and kinesthetic coach of creating that intention for lack of a better word I don't know it just kind of came organically to me to do that and then finally towards the end there when they're like 
when he was crowning, I really needed to push because he had a big head, of course. And finally, towards the end, also, we kind of figured out that if I would put my, I couldn't hold my legs up at all. But if I put my feet on the forearms of both my husband and my friend Yolan, held their hands and pulled myself up, I could then get into a more squatting position where I felt like I knew what I was doing and could be more powerful, mm-hmm. you know? And so like we had the baby, he came out. So we got his head out. My husband, I remember he was just like, so he turned his head, opened his eyes. He was like, it was very strange. When just his head was out, you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> to see like just the head and eyes. And, and then he told me, it's like for encouragement, he was like, he's breathing, he's breathing. He was not breathing because he was still attached to the umbilical right. cord. Right, yeah, so until like, the cord comes out, they're not usually breathing through their face. Right. He <laughs> was but I don't know. He, he thought that that would be encouraging. Also, towards the end when he was crowning and when I was really pushing the head out, I was starting to really, like it was very stressful because by this point I'd been pushing for three hours. Oh, wow. That was a long ordeal. That's very long. Yeah, so, um, and... I just think that my body, like I, I already knew I had a small uterus from when I got my IUD. Um, and then I had a big baby. So I just feel like it was like, I just need to squeeze this guy out towards the end. I was like, Adam, people were saying things to me, like bear down, bear down. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like that means, you know, like, I'm like, that doesn't really help me. And I was like, Adam, you need to coach me. Like I'm running a race and I'm close to the finish line and I'm like slowing down. And so he was just like, go, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going. And that was very helpful. And he was great. I'm like, don't be mean to me because I can't handle that right now. And I remember saying that, don't be mean, but I need you to coach me like that. So I need you to push me like verbally. Mm. and he was great at it Mm. so I don't know why I'm getting emotional but so then a couple more pushes and the baby was out they immediately put him on my chest I heard my husband say don't we have to wait for it to stop pulsing first and later I found out that the doctor was like cut the umbilical cord and he because we had planned to let it pulse until it Mm -hmm. was done and she, she, he said to me later, the way she looked at me and handed me the scissors were like, you're either doing this or I'm doing it right now. Um, but apparently because he was in the birth canal for so long, he had just a little bit of distress that he needed suctioning. So she wanted to do that right away. Mm-hmm. So even though they put him on my chest, she did the umbilical cord right away. Apparently it was kind of short. It wasn't like this huge long umbilical cord because I was like willing to donate it. And they're like, it's really not worth it. This particular one. I was like, okay. And then I also heard her be like, nurse, take the baby over. So he did go over to the little thing for suctioning. My husband was with me and I'm like, what are you doing? Go, go. And I'm just like, I'm fine. Like we, like what is happening with our baby? And she's like, your baby is really fine. He was just in there for a little too long. So we're just going to give him a little section, but he is really fine. And then she said to me, you may want to give yourself another hit of that epidural because I'm going to stitch you up. And I said, no problem. And meanwhile, she was talking to the resident about like what is happening with my tear. I wish I had paid attention to her a little bit more because I think I could have helped myself out knowing like what 
it looked like down there or how bad it was. Like, I really have no idea, but I knew it was bad enough that she was like, I'm not just going to stitch you up. So the baby came back. Oh, I also wore a sports bra, which was probably stupid because I was planning on not having the epidural. So I wasn't planning on having tons of like cords and stuff attached to me. I thought I would just have like the IV on my hand, but I couldn't get the sports bra off, even though it attached. Uh. Because I like in order to do full skin to skin. So I was like, just cut it off because it was kind of like mm-hmm. wrapped around little things. Mm. So they cut it off. The nurse was so cute. She's like, are you sure? It's nice. I'm like, I got it at the dollar store. Who cares? So we did skin to skin. And I have to say he latched immediately because I was like, I don't really know what to do. And like, cause you know, I, I've never been with a baby that little before. So I'm just like, ah, here he is. And I'm exhausted. And, you know, I was happy that I wasn't throwing up anymore, but the doctor is still sewing me up. She's like, just like put him belly to belly with his head between your breasts and like kind of frog his legs out to either side and he will know what to do. And he latched right away, mm. which is good. I have to also say breastfeeding has been very easy for us. Yay! That's not not so common. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Well, my husband's so funny. He's just like, well, considering the labor was really hard and the pregnancy was You deserved a break. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, if breastfeeding was also really hard, it would be like really, really hard. But yeah, I also had been kind of experimenting with self-expression in the shower for a week or two before. So my colostrum was already like in because I was just curious. I'm like, am I producing anything? My boobs are huge. So I'm like, oh, we did see a lactation consultant while we were there. Cause I'm just like, I just want to make sure that everything is okay. His latch is great or was, he was a big baby. He lost a little bit of weight by the time he left the hospital, he was back to his birth weight. And like he doubled his weight in like a month. He was was like 20 pounds at six months. Although now he was like, (laughs) It was crazy. So he was born at about one o'clock in the afternoon. That day we just kind of relaxed and we're like in, like I was also euphoric. I've never been so happy. It's an amazing rush. Those hormones. Really the, yeah. The relief. And, and coming down was not so great, but like mm. it was amazing. Mm. And we went the next day to the lactation class, which they were having like a group class. And mm. then at, that afternoon, the lactation consultant, I think, just kind of goes and visits all the patients who want to breastfeed to see how it's going. The first night was great. I did send him off so that I could sleep to the nursery, but they brought him to me. I breastfed him. I do remember, though, that first day, they told me to let them know if there were any blood clots, if I had passed any blood clots. Well, I didn't really know what that meant. So they didn't give you like a size example? If they did, I did not pay attention to. Off, yeah, fair enough. So, I remember missing 90% of what they yeah. said to I me. Just, like, Perhaps they did, but they're like, do you have any, I just remember if I have any blood clots. So I went to the bathroom and there like, like some blood came out and it was like a clot, but it was the size, it was like smaller than a, a golf ball. It was, it was 
not big. It was maybe the size of a quarter, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but I was like, oh, there's a blood clot. I want someone to come check it out. But I was in the bathroom. So I foolishly like pulled the bathroom thing. And all of a sudden I hear like a whole bunch of things outside and like people running. I'm like, oh my God, that's <sighs> totally because of me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not an emergency. I just want someone to come in here, please. And they're <laughs> like, uh, no, it has to be like this big. Then they told me the size. So okay. Okay. The spray was very helpful and the, the spray that the hospital had was great. Adam brought me an off brand and it was like stingy and I was just like, this is not good. But yeah, the recovery for, for me was hard. Yeah, I would say like, like it took me about a week and a half to be able to sit comfortably. And it's not just sitting, it's the transition through the pelvis where those stitches were and the tenderness was. I definitely, definitely used all the witch hazel pads. I was like, mm -hmm. I, I was like, Adam, we are bringing everything home. I'm like, put this in the bag, put this in the bag, put this in the bag. We are bringing everything home. That's, That's such a good tip. Home. Such a good yeah. tip. Grab all the supplies that you can. Yeah, grab <laughs> them and make sure that there because they'll give you supplies also in two bags but I'm like I just pretended like I used them up and I was like could I please have some more of the spray because that yeah. spray was the only thing that was actually giving me like pain relief from from mm -hmm. the tear and so I was like put it in the bag put it in the bag and I'm like Adam as you walk by if there's any of this spray you take it so, and did like, they tell you what degree tear you had they didn't but I also didn't ask like there are some things that I'm like, oh, should I have known that? I'm not you sure. You could always ask. I'm sure it's written in your records if you ever oh, yeah. wanted to, you know, go back and see. Yeah. Just for your knowledge. Yeah. And like, I do suspect now, since it's been 15 months, I'm still having some pretty severe stress incontinence, which is really debilitating. It makes it hard to just do things. Like I do wear a pad, but like, I don't want to work out to lose the baby weight because I don't want to be embarrassed at the gym, mm -hmm. you know, little things like that. So my doctor did say a long time ago at my last appointment, she's like, you could do physical therapy, you know, so let me know if you need that. But as soon as I did that, I just quit my job and my insurance ran out. So I didn't oh, do no. it. But now uh. I have insurance again. So I'm going to go back in because I'm pretty, like, I'm, pretty sure I have bladder prolapse, uh, not severely, but just the way I pee, my body is pushing out tampons. I'm having a very frank discussion with you. I hope that's okay. I'm so glad you're willing to. Thank you. Yeah. You're benefiting other people because we just don't talk about this enough and we need to know because it's very common. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, thank you. yeah I had a big baby and I had a long labor that I think I kind of made longer. Like had, as soon as I got into Pitocin, I was just like, okay, great. Let's do the epidural. You know, I, I don't think I would have had to labor as long. Had someone been like, don't hit that button. I don't think I would have pushed as long, you know, because the first like hour, 40, like 45 minutes or so, maybe half hour, 45 minutes, I was like pushing, but I didn't really know what I was pushing. Sure. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. a learning curve to it when we've never done it before. Yeah. And there's a learning curve to being a parent too, but that was oh. really fast. Yeah. I found it to be really fast and there's a lot of information there, but yeah, I, I, and also it could be just my age. I'm 40. I had a baby at 40. So who knows? I really truly believe all of us will be forever processing our birth stories, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like trying to put those puzzle pieces together and figure out what we would do differently next time or just totally. like processing what happened there, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I guess that's my birth story in not so much of a nutshell. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if there's a specific PT you've, you've seen that you like. I haven't actually gone yet because I only, like, I just thought up until last week that this is just how my body is now, you know? And then I was talking to another mom at a play date who had two babies and she had prolapse after her first baby mm-hmm. and she went to a doctor and I was like, how did you know you had prolapse? Like what took you to the doctor? And she's like, well, and as soon as she said my body started, was pushing out tampons. So I knew something was wrong. And then her bladder actually dropped where she could feel it. So she's like, so it, mine was pretty severe. And I was like, oh, I think I have it. And so she actually um, forwarded me her PT. I haven't actually made an appointment yet, but she also forwarded me all of her exercises. So she, we talked about it for a little bit and it's really amazing how moms are very supportive in this way. And she's like, I did a lot of research because my doctor was like, well, you can have the surgery. And she's like, well, okay, let me, let me just look it up online. And she's like, in Europe, women don't have the surgery. They only do physical therapy. And it's actually a 12 week included as postnatal care that we don't do, you know? And I'm like, huh, that would have been very helpful, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm about to start PT and I'm just going to call her doctor, but I have to wait until my husband lets me know uh, what his schedule is like. Sure. And dude, just let me know if you need any other names because I I have a list of different ones. That would be great. Could you email that to me? Absolutely. So yeah, breastfeeding was really easy for us, which I was really excited about. I purchased after the first couple weeks because like I was producing a lot of milk, like while I was still regulating, uh, it was an, an insane amount. And I just thought this is so wasteful. Eventually I will go back to work. So I bought a Hakka. Yes. I, Everybody's I, raving about that. You like it? I loved it. Yeah. And as a pump, they're like, it's a pump. I'm like, I don't understand it as a pump, but I totally like for like putting it on the set, the breast that's not being used while, Mm -hmm. while he's nursing, I collected so much, sometimes four ounces at a time, you know? Wow. And I wish I had had it for those beginning times for when I was not regulating yet. I, cause I was just like leaking milk. It was pretty Mm -hmm. It came in right away and we had zero problems. He was so chunky. Now I hated pumping. Pumping to me, I didn't feel like I was producing as much. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, and also like it was stressful. I just did not like pumping, but I also had to pump at work or for work. And Mm -hmm. so it was like really crappy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's common for us to not be able to pump as much with a mechanical pump. It just doesn't have that oxytocin factor that the human connection does. And I would do things like create little video. I would have my husband while I was work send me videos of him. To look at the baby. That's great. Yeah. And like whatever helps. So I'd like bring my phone out and I'm at a restaurant. So I'm like totally in the office just being like, here I am pumping away, looking at my phone and like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, I love that. Yeah. Did you, so did you just freeze that all that surplus milk at the very beginning or what'd you do with it? So I froze it. Also like wanted my husband to be able to take over some things. So I, I did freeze it. And then what I also noticed is no one knows the value of pumped milk, like a person who has pumped, like it's like gold. 
And when even an ounce of it or a half ounce is left out on the counter and you don't know how long it's been there or, or like my husband took a whole four ounces and defrosted it and forgot it was in there. And I'm like, how long has this been here? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, like wait for for like, like a week or two. And I'm like, we can't use this now. But then I, I was like, okay, I'm going to use it. So I got a recipe for breast milk soap. And so I made soap out of <laughs> That's so cool. What a great idea. <laughs> I love it. Like, so crazy. And it literally, like, it's not like I was crazy, like, oh, it has to be all natural. I literally went to Michael's and got the soap that you melt down to add things to. And then I put like lavender or peppermint essential oils and made little bars of breast milk soap. <gasps> it'll be good for his skin or if he had any allergies. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I just love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, no problem. No you problem. may, it's very you soft. may, so, yeah. it was soft. Yeah, oh, cool. I keep it in the refrigerator. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> That's so, so cool. Just in case, just for other people's knowledge, there are milk banks that if a person has a lot of extra milk, it's really great to donate because it can save lives of premature babies. Um, But it sounds like you already knew about that. Yeah, Yeah, I did know that. I don't think I I was like a crazy overproducer because I have seen videos of the the woman that just like has her baby and nurses her baby, but then has to pump and gets like 40 ounces a day. I actually got, (laughs) I did freeze it and I got just enough to like make it through with him while I was because I actually stopped pumping and he, he took to solid foods also right away. He was Mm -hmm. really interested in it. So I kind of baby bird fed him for a while. I, I was like, if he's interested in putting this in his mouth and eating, and he's not going to choke on it. If I can chew it up for him, might as well, you know, sure. so if I was eating, he was like uh, interested in it. So I'm like, okay, lettuce is still kind of scary for me, but he has molars now. So I'm uh-huh. thinking that he might be able to chew the lettuce pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to wean him. I noticed at night, I mean, sleep training was very interesting because we kind of co-slept, kind of didn't. I had like a co-sleeper right next to the bed, Mm -hmm. but then I would bring him into the bed so I could nurse him to do like some of those like dream feeds Mm -hmm. and then either put him back or, you know, we didn't really have pillows or heavy blankets because so he would stay between us sometime but he wants to be with me like if he's on me he'll sleep for a very very long time if he's not he wakes up in like 20 minutes I am very extroverted and being at home I love being at home but I notice I just kind of hole up and then I get depressed Mm -hmm. so I started with his first doctor's appointment, which was, I guess, that first week. And I walked there and it was only about six blocks away, but it took me a while because I just had a baby. That's a Um, long way when you have stitches and soreness. Yeah. I I walked, but I definitely was like, I have to take a small walk every day and I have to get out of the house. And as soon as I felt good enough, I started baby wearing. And so my friends were like, you like, well, I waited until he was about three months old, I guess after Mm -hmm. his first immunizations. When was that? Mm -hmm. Maybe three months? I forget. 
So anyway, like I would walk everywhere and I would take him everywhere because he would take an hour nap and it usually took me an hour to get anywhere. And then we could have like a cute visit and then go. And I became a master of like nursing on the go. So I bought some nursing tops that I could just pull up. So they covered my breast and I would like mm -hmm. pull him down in the carrier and I was like nursing him walking down the street. So like I would just kind of like wiggle him down and we would nurse and it was, it was great. But I created a baby who likes to sleep on top of me, you know, who likes to be cuddled up. And so like he'll sleep mm -hmm. like this for a very long time. <laughs> but I guarantee if I would like sneak away, He'd wake up. even if I just turn away so my back is towards him in the bed, he wakes up. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> I didn't really think of that. Mm -hmm. But I do like baby wearing, especially in the city. And yeah. I didn't realize how few elevators there are in subways. Right. Yeah. I went to a rally to try to get to advocate for more yeah. elevators, especially in Queens. There's hardly any. There's We're finally about to get one at Astoria Boulevard, but oh, well, that's good. it's going to take a while, of course. Yeah, I'm at Jackson Heights, Roosevelt Avenue. Mm -hmm. And if I want to go anywhere out to Queens, like they're like, it's very far. I'm like, there's not, it's like seven subway stops away, you know, local stops. So I'm like, wow, that's, it's really bad. It's, it is bad. Yeah. So those carriers are golden. They sure They're are. Not, but now he's a little big. I know you're, you're, hurts. he's about at the age that I stopped baby wearing, but then I've had other friends who've like shifted to the back and they like carry them into, you know, three yep. or four. <laughs> like, yeah. There are those wow. baby backpacks that have like the more metal frame. And I'm just like, do I want to invest? The thing is also like apartments get so inundated with baby stuff. Don't they? Yes. Yeah, and I feel very wasteful just throwing it away. But like, who do I like? I'm like, okay, we have to donate, give these. You know, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah a friend of mine is a baby wearing educator, and she was able to just use a wrap that she uh -huh. wore the baby on the front, and then once they got big, she knew all kinds of fancy techniques to oh, wrap wow. back, so that doesn't take up as much yeah. space as a no, as doesn't. a like a framed backpack kind of thing yeah. does. So just something to. Okay, know I'm about <laughs> if you're inclined because, yeah because it is really challenging to get by you know although when he's in the back I have worn him in the back before it's a little scary because I don't know what his hands are doing <laughs> so store I'm like don't touch anything when he's in the front I can see him you know I yeah I had the same concerns too yeah oh the emotional roller coaster coming down off of all those endorphins. I was, thank you for coming back to that. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, it was challenging. For me, it was really challenging, partly because it was during the Me Too movement. So like the word trigger is not quite the right word, but like I was, I was taking a, a lot of things very emotionally, very personally mm -hmm. about like, you know, like if, like I just did this thing, like this women all these women are you know I'm just like why are we discounting women and then also my husband who is definitely an ally of the me too movement we got the photos back right away from my friend she created a very long slideshow that was beautiful but it was also very intimate and the pictures of me are very vulnerable not graphic 
but just like my face. And also I'm a little vain. Like I took mas waterproof mascara there, didn't even put it on, you know, like my hair was not long enough for a ponytail, but not short enough to be out of my face. I was just like really annoyed with it the whole time. But I love the photos, many of them. But it was, you know, it was just like, and Adam said to me one night after we got home and we're having our time together, the baby is napping. And he's like, I'd like to share that with our families. And I was like, okay, some of the photos I feel really uncomfortable sharing. Well, he either forgot or just got too excited. And the next morning I woke up to an email that's like, here are these, this slideshow. It's at this event. A Vimeo page and I like just lost my shot. Oh no. I lost it entirely because he was also like at an audition or something that day and he was out and I was alone with the baby and I was like I thought we had talked about it and he literally said my body my your body your choice and so you know it was one of those things where he didn't really realize my, what how personal because I am the type of person that lets people see so many things and it didn't really create a super clear boundary i just said i'd love to share these with them but i'd like to make an edited version because mm -hmm. not all of them i feel comfortable with you know like his mom his dad we have nieces sure. and nephews and literally i called my mom sobbing she thought that there was something really wrong with the baby. She was at a dinner. She like excused herself. And I was just like, Ugh! you know, and I was like, Adam, I know that I'm being emotional right now. Like, like I can, like, I, I haven't cried that much for a long time. I'm like, but you have to see past that and to see how this was really hurtful for me. Mm -hmm. You know, and he was like, I'm really sorry immediately. It's hard to know, like, if I would be bothered by it had I not been going through that emotional state, it just felt like a very, I don't mind people looking at or sharing that slideshow or those images with people if they're in the same room with me. So we're having like this shared experience. I can feel mm -hmm. the vibe of it. Mm. It's just out there and people are watching it, you know, on their coffee break. And so I'm like, I didn't know that I needed to set those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Or to be really clear about that, because I'm like, I don't mind sharing it. I do mind the way it's being shared. And that's mm -hmm. something I know as a parent, I also have to be really aware of. It's like, why is this okay in this instance for me, but not this instance? And I have mm -hmm. to be very clear on what those boundaries are for me. Mm -hmm. So that I can be like, hey, these are the rules. Yeah, you know, like, and like also see where things are okay for Torin and be really aware of like, oh, hey, you're okay with this in this instance, but not in this instance. And like, mm -hmm. let's unwind that and see why. And like, just like now that he's just a toddler, just support it and avoid it. Although he's so easygoing. He really is really nonplussed by most things. Nice. You know, it is really nice. Mm -hmm. so, so that was really hard. The emotional roller coaster coming down. And then the visits were great. Like if people were visiting and then they're like, I'm going to fold your laundry for you. That was so helpful. Yay. Helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. And then we've also had some visits where people were not helpful. And I'm like, I'm not ready to host, you know, even like at like 12 weeks, 10 weeks, I wasn't ready to host. Yeah. That's exactly what I, you didn't get this portion of class in our private session, but I talk about you do not need to play host or hostess. 
Yeah. Not a tight, you need people to come and help you. That's the yes. helpful visit or just keep it really brief yeah. if they're not going to help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also like, I didn't really know I'm the last of my friends since I'm older to have a baby. Um, and I, I've actually said to them, I'm really sorry. I did not know how to be a supportive friend to you because I actually didn't know what you needed mm-hmm. at all. Now I make a lasagna, two lasagnas, like small ones, <laughs> like one awesome. for the freezer and one to eat. And like I made three for us and we ate it literally after his first birthday and it was still fine, you know? Yep, yep. Um, so right before having him, I had like cooked and made things even if friends are far away though it's really easy to send them like a Grubhub gift certificate yes or whatever it's like you know I at this apartment we don't have a microwave or a dishwasher our stove we got a new one after he was born because like I couldn't like the pilot light was out and all these things and we have the washer and dryer in the basement and I was visiting a friend who had a baby in Boston and they were hosting us. And I'm like, what can we do to help? And like, they were fine. They were like, nothing. And I'm like, okay. And I was talking to her. I'm like, wow, you have a washer and dryer that you just put things in. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I have to go downstairs and it's not available at all hours. I'm like, oh, wow, you have a dishwasher. That must be so convenient. And she was like, what? And I'm like, a microwave. I'm like, you can just warm up your coffee. And she was like, looked at me and I'm like, I know it sounds like I'm raising a child on the frontier. (laughs) (laughs) I call New York City. (laughs) But I'm not, you know, it's just that things are small. So we chose not to have a microwave a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But now I wish we had one just so I could heat up my food in a second. You know, Mm -hmm. it's really easy to put his needs before mine. Yeah. Yeah. That's, isn't that a huge lesson that takes some of us, I know myself, it's taken me too many years to yeah. realize how important self-care is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and often it's not until the health is sacrificed starts to, you know, yeah. you start to have some health issues and hormonal totally. imbalances and things that you yeah. realize, wow, okay, I need to learn the, the balance between rest and yes. work. And yeah. sometimes put our needs first. <laughs> yeah. And it could be really simple. Like, I don't know why, but like, I didn't get a haircut after giving birth. So I wanted to grow it out so I could put it up in a ponytail, which is like, like the mom look for me. And then also, then I just kind of kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And finally, he's like 13 months old and I'm depressed. And I'm like, I just want to get a haircut. My husband's like, go get a haircut. And I'm like, oh, okay. But you know, like my person is in the city and we live in Queens. I'm like, to me, it felt like a three hour ordeal. And that was too much time Mm -hmm. to take. And also, you know, my husband and I have started seeing a therapist, which has been very helpful because Mm -hmm. we had very different upbringings. And now that we have a child, those are clashing a little bit more. It's really good to have someone to kind of navigate because it's very easy to be like, well, that's the way I was raised. And I like that, you know, so Mm -hmm. my way is not the only way, but I think it's the best way. So Mm -hmm. I want to do it, you know, and because I of of the hormones and because, you know, Torrin's been smelling me, hearing me, listening, you know, feeling me since his conscious moment, you know, in utero, naturally he comes to me and naturally like we had the groove right away. And so I, 
and also my mistakes I was making mostly in private, whereas his mistakes he was making while I was there. So mm. I, I was like, I need to consciously create space so that Adam can be the kind of dad he wants to be. And also that he, I'm like, I know we had a conversation where I said, I'm going to, my learning curve is going to be faster than yours because that's just biologically how it is. If you are doing something with him, do you want me to help you? like with tips of like, oh, I found that this, he tends to like this, or do you want me to have, let you to have time and space to figure it out on your own? So basically I, we've, we've come to the conclusion that I say, oh, do you want some help with that about what I found that works for me? And then he can choose to be yes or no. I mean, that doesn't oh, always That's great. Work. What a it healthy communication work. strategy, but still like to yeah. have that aim and that strategy yeah. is so healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> we have other things that I'm like, ooh. And honestly, I never thought I would get divorced until like about three months into having a baby and or maybe two. And I'm just like, I think we're going to get a divorce. I do not see this working. I'm like, I'm moving back home with my parents. It you know? puts it, your relationship to the test like nothing else, right? Yeah, it, it really does. can. And also, you know, my priorities and his priorities are a little different. Mm -hmm. And it's easy. I always said before having a baby, I want to have the type of relationship where our marriage comes first and through that love, it will trickle down. And he is a part of that, yeah. you know, and cause I, at the restaurant saw a lot of people whose spouses put the child first. The child is the thing that keeps the marriage going. And I'm like, and eventually he won't be here. Right. And also you will go. And then what do you have? Else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but that is not easy to do with newborn to one to two-year-old, you mm -hmm. know, like, it's just like their needs do come first. It just, they have to. Mm -hmm. So it, it's on my mind that I'm like, Adam does not get the leftovers, but it's very easy to slip into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing I talk about in classes is a piece of advice we were given as we became parents that we found to be so useful was to talk about set your quota for how many dates you'll have in like mm -hmm. say a month and to really try to stick to that. And then whenever you have those date times to say all baby talk is off limits. Oh, that's that, good yeah, we do yeah. need to be on the same parenting page and talk about those things at other times, but this is time for us and to really uh -huh. nurture and deepen that connection and maintain yeah. it too. Because otherwise it just starts to, you know, you start to drift and yeah. yeah. So that's something that really helped us a lot in the first yeah. years, years really of both, yeah. <laughs> both of our kids' lives. Um, yeah. And good yeah, for you guys fun. for seeking out therapy too. We started after we had the baby together mm -hmm. and I'm just like, we need some help because this is beyond me. Cause I was holding on to resentment about him sharing um, the slideshow. Uh, you know, and it was kind of like my kind of ace in the hole whenever he did something that pissed me off, you know, I would bring that hurt up again. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't really know how to get past it. And interestingly, the thing that has helped me get past it is focusing on the gratitude and the things that I, I love about him and that I'm grateful mm -hmm. for about him. Like he was really great about making me lactation cookies. 
you know, Aww, how great. And stuff like that. And he was a great cook and he kept me really well fed. All I wanted though was like sweets and scones. And so too many Coke and scones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also finding, I don't know if you followed the Gottman Institute. I was just about to ask you if you read And Baby Makes Three. Is that what I you're... bought it, but I haven't read it. <laughs> I love their stuff so much. I'm thinking about possibly becoming a teacher of their And Baby Makes Three oh, training. Yeah, I yeah. just, oh, it's so it's such a needed resource. It really is. It really is. So I bought the book right after. Of course, I haven't read it. It's on the bookshelf. I also bought their eight dates, but I follow them also on Facebook and Instagram. And so mm-hmm. they post articles, which are perfect for like bite size, like, yeah. yeah. My mom life is not, I can read. My mom life is, I can kind of like, like oh, I'm yeah. a magazine person now. I've got a good article is, is all I can take in. Yeah. Yeah. Or I listen to a lot of podcasts and actually yeah. they were interviewed by somebody. I can't even remember who it was recently. Well, Dan Shepard interviewed them. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. That's the interview I was listening to. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. That's the one I listened to recently. And it's yeah. so great because you can. I haven't listened to it yet. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's excellent. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> When we got married, we did a little bit of counseling and they had given us the seven principles of making marriage work. And so I was like, oh, I totally am on board with this philosophy. Mm-hmm. So it's good stuff. Yeah. That is good stuff. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. This has been such a great conversation and I've loved hearing all of these details. All right. Well, any last tips for parents? All of your info too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think your class was a lifesaver. We had also, I forgot to mention this. We had also watched the entire laugh through childbirth with Sherry. Laugh and learn. Uh Yeah. Yep. We rented it from the library. So like when we (laughs) came to you, we already had like an idea of like what was going to happen, Mm -hmm. but the actual physical positions to get into in order to take stress off of your body was really helpful. Glad to hear that. Thank you so much. It's great catching up with you. Have a great afternoon. Okay. Bye, Lisa. Bye. All right. So that was Amy's birth story. Did you notice when Amy mentioned putting on Parks and Rec in early labor? When it's your first time to give birth, it's really smart to find ways to distract yourself in early labor for as long as you can until there ain't no ignoring it anymore. The fact that Amy put on a comedy is also a really smart choice because endorphins are created in our body, not only from working out really hard in labor, just like in a hard workout, but also when we laugh. Endorphins create what we call the runner's high, which helps us to do things mentally and physically that we didn't know we could do. Endorphins are a natural pain drug, so the more we can strategically seek out ways to boost those in labor, the more we can cope really well and reduce the perception of pain. Amy also mentioned regretting not having a birthing ball. A ball is one of my top favorite tools for labor, not only mine, but laboring women all over. It can feel so great to be able to move around on a ball, moving your hips, and it can help loosen tension in the pelvis and pelvic floor muscles. This loosening and the physical movement itself can be hugely helpful toward baby's descent and rotation through the pelvis toward being born. I'll put a link in this episode's show notes to a tip sheet detailing the benefits. I recommend either purchasing one or making sure your birthing location has enough balls for all rooms. Some hospitals only have a couple of them, and if they're occupied when you arrive, you won't have access to it. 
If you have your own ball and are giving birth outside your home, your partner will usually need to partially deflate it and bring the pump to reinflate it once you get to your birth location. When Amy mentioned hamburger butt, she was referring to a counterpressure move called the double hip squeeze. Counterpressure means that a support partner is creating consistent, strong pressure on some part of the body for the whole duration of the contraction. This pressure not only directs your brain away from paying attention to wherever you're feeling discomfort or intensity, but also creates some physical comfort that can actually facilitate progress in various ways. The move she referred to was one that they had learned in their private session with me. Partner squeezes the butt cheeks together to open the pubic symphysis on the front of the pelvis. This not only can feel great in labor, but also opens the pelvic outlet, making more room for baby to descend toward being born. It's a top go-to comfort measure for labor. I did want to clarify when we were discussing Amy's challenges with pelvic floor incontinence, and I said it's very common, I meant that it's quite common in postpartum to have some level of struggle with pelvic floor issues, such as stress incontinence or urge incontinence. I didn't mean bladder prolapse is very common, as that's certainly less common. To be more specific, one in three women experience some degree of challenge with bladder control after giving birth. If you experience any bladder or fecal control issues or pelvic pain beyond the first six weeks after giving birth, it's a good idea to seek out pelvic floor physical therapy. There are professionals who specialize in this area and can help. We should not have to suffer, and too many women do after birth. You can find some local recommendations for optimizing pelvic floor health on my website at birthmattersnyc.com resources. Until next week, I have a question for you to ponder. This one is for listeners who are in a committed relationship as you enter parenthood. What can you do or are you doing to baby-proof your relationship as you become parents? Join in on the conversation over on Instagram at birthmattersnyc, where I'll post a poll so your voice can be heard. Okay, here's a little peek into what you'll hear next week. I just remember thinking like through each contraction, like, you can do anything for 60 minutes. You can do anything for 60 minutes, for 60 <laughs> seconds. Like, you can do anything for 90 seconds. You know, however long it was lasting, I was like, I was like, I can do this, I can do this. And, like, just almost like the little engine I could. I was like, I can, I can, I can. Like, mm -hmm. And it really helped to kind of focus just on that. Like, it was just a short period of time. Thanks so much for listening to the Birth Matters podcast. And remember, you got this.